Hey, can uh, you open your Bibles to Mar- uh, Matthew chapter 6? We are in our series on stewardship, and it's um, just a couple of verses this morning. Um, we are taking a look at how uh, not only last week we were looking at uh, the notion of what does it mean to sacrifice, what, what is, um, how do we see sacrifice through the lens of the gospel? And, uh, and so we would sort of look at that side of the coin and think, all right, that's, that's what we have to give up. <laughs> this, uh, today, I think it's good for us to look at, well, what do we get? Um, you know, what's the gain in that, in that uh, equation? And so we're looking at the mysterious uh, idea of rewards and what Jesus promises us. So let's stand in honor of his word in Matthew 6. I'm going to read verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, would you bless your word this morning? Uh, Show us Christ, we pray. In his name, amen. Uh, please be seated. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to look at uh, Jesus telling us what to do with our treasures. Uh, don't, don't lay them up on earth, but instead lay them up in heaven uh, because there's this dynamic, right, between where our treasure is and where our heart is. Um, you might even ask, which is the chicken and which is the egg? Uh, but let's start by looking at, uh, at Jesus at, just telling us, warning us about what to do, uh, what not to do with our treasure. Don't lay it up uh, on earth. Uh, we, we all know that um, when it comes to giving, as we looked at last week, when it comes to sacrifice, it can be hard. Uh, Paul was doing this uh, campaign, you know, basically a fundraising campaign between the churches in Macedonia, the churches in, uh, in Greece, uh, Corinth in particular, and he's raising money to assist the needs of the church in Jerusalem. Um, and, and it's good for us to see that that's, that's okay to talk about money in that way. Um, we're talking about money in the middle of our stewardship campaign, uh, the next step of faith. And, uh, and don't forget, next Sunday, there's only one worship service at 10 o'clock. Um, so when it comes to giving, uh, there's something we ought to acknowledge, and it's that giving doesn't come natural. Uh, sacrifice, giving, whatever you want to describe it, actually is something sort of supernatural when it's really done from from the heart. Uh, None of us has to teach our kids, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you don't have to teach your kid, you know, how to share, uh, how to to take and how to be greedy and how to, you know, be demanding. You have to really work on teaching our kids how to share. You have to be intentional about generosity with them. Those are the lessons you have to kind of you know, beat like a drum in, into their hearts. Uh, we need it kind of the same way in our hearts. It doesn't come naturally. Uh, Randy Alcorn, who uh, I mentioned last week, great little book called The Treasure Principle, writes that there are many roadblocks to giving. Uh, unbelief, insecurity, pride, idolatry, desire for power and control, 
the raging current of our culture. Uh, he, I like that, that description. Uh, these are not class one kind of currents where you can wear your waders and go in and do a little fly fishing. This is the raging current of our culture, the class five rapids that will throw you out of the boat. The raging current of our culture, and often our churches, makes it hard to swim upstream, makes it hard to swim upstream against this idea that we need to get instead of give, uh, that there are roadblocks to giving, that it's considered normal to spend and to get. Um, and, and, and in that light, I wanted to just mention, and I think it's, it's considered normal uh, to spend far more than we even make. I wanted to show you this. Uh, this is just a little collection of mine. Um, actually, all of these letters are addressed to my oldest daughter, Rachel, uh, she's been in graduate school the past year and a half, so most of these have come in the mail in the, in, you know, in the past year and a half. Um, all addressed to her, and they're, every single one of them, all 60-plus of these is from a credit card company, <laughs> uh, offering her you know, just thousands of dollars in, in credit. Uh, she, she could uh, you know, max out her dreams, go get whatever she wants. Uh, you know, th- that's, that's the... The raging current of our culture is get it now, you deserve it, you know, gain is good, uh, even if you don't uh, have the money, that shouldn't be an obstacle to getting what you want, and, uh, and I think this is sort of the evidence of that. Uh, I know there's some, you know, phone number you call to say, hey, take me off of your, the credit card application list, but this is just kind of fun now. Uh, hey, what, what application is going to be in the mail today? And I thought, man, one of these days this is going to be a really cool sermon illustration. <laughs> T- today's, today's the day. Um, what, what, do you, what do you do with this? This is our culture. This is our culture. Gain is good. Get it as soon as you can. Get as much as you can. Uh, and, and don't look back. Um, that, uh, that it's more blessed to get than, than to give. Uh, it's more blessed to hoard than, uh, than, to, than, to, than to give. Um, when Jesus is warning uh, us against this, this, this current in our culture, this raging current, he asks, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world uh, but forfeit his soul? What does it profit you or I to get every single one of these credit cards and max every single one of them out and just get everything our little hearts desire but at the end of the day, we can have the whole world. But we would forfeit our soul. It's a very short-sighted view of, of life. Life is eternal. Um, this life on this earth is, is temporal. And all of our earthly gains um, you know, are really risky investments. Um, so Jesus warns us here in our passage uh, of Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust, uh, destroy where thieves break in and steal. Uh, How about this for an image? Proverbs 23, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Great image. and Jesus can, will remind us, well, maybe, maybe it's rust that is going to put an end 
to your possessions. Maybe it's a moth, you know, who's going to eat away at whatever you prize. Maybe it's a thief, and if you've ever been a victim of, um, you know, of theft, you know how hard that is. Um, you know, there's other things, too. Maybe it's a hurricane that just rips uh, the house right off of its foundation. Everything that you treasure on earth is gone um, in, a, in an instant. Uh, you know, uh, civil wars happen and Confederate currency becomes worthless. Uh, shipwrecks happen and um, pound, thousands of pounds of gold, you know, end up uh, at the bottom of the sea, uh, un unrecoverable until, you know, technology catches up with ancient shipwrecks and brings all this stuff to the surface that nobody on board that boat was able to benefit from. Uh, these, just earthly investments are inherently risky, not because we don't know what kind of return we're going to get temporally, but we absolutely know that uh, you're not going to be able to take it with you. Uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy, when, when Timothy is doing his ministry, Paul's telling him, look, tell those who are rich in this present age, and by the way, that would be us. Uh, globally, we're the rich in, in this world. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Uh, so I love that, that the, the gospel message is not that, you know, hey, don't pursue wealth. Um, the gospel message is pursue riches in the right context. It's, it's pursue God, who richly blesses us. Um, God is the one who should be our heart's desire rather than all the stuff that, that he makes, the stuff that he even gives us. Because we know that you can't take it with you. I was looking for the verse, um, it was in the back of my head, you know, naked, I came into the world, naked I'll depart. Uh, all right, where is that again? I went into my Bible, you know, software, typed in naked. Where's that verse? You know, oh, Job 1, you know. And then my phone starts buzzing with my accountability software alert. <laughs> And then, because uh, I typed in naked, um, and my, fr my friend Don Ward, who, uh, who, who did our marriage conference, you know, he's my accountability partner, and, uh, and he got, a, a, you know, something flagged on his computer about what I was searching. He calls me, says, what are you looking at? <laughs> I said, well, I'm doing a, a Bible search on naked I came into the, my, you know, the world. Uh, and he, he laughed, and we joked that, yeah, too bad I didn't find that image. I was, you know, anyway. Uh, so I was just appreciative of Don holding me accountable there. But, uh, but Job tells us very clearly that, uh, that we can't take it with us. Uh, Psalm 49 reminds us, Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. His glory uh, will not go down after him. If your glory is on this earth, uh, you're going to lose it. If your glory is on this earth, you're going to lose it sooner or later. But what if your glory was in heaven? If your glory is in heaven, if my glory is in heaven, you'll never lose it. In the meantime... 
we're kind of stuck. We, we, we're, we're in this, this culture. We, we are downstream of the raging current. It's hard to swim upstream against it. And we end up thinking uh, uh, some crazy things about the stuff that we own. We think it's ours. We think we're going to keep it forever. Uh, and if Jesus were to come to any one of us and say, all right, I've got an offer for you, you can be ridiculously wealthy today, just for today, these 24 hours, have whatever you want, have all the riches that you can imagine, uh, but then live the rest of your life in poverty. Or if you would live today as a poor person and then spend the rest of your life uh, with your inheritance, which would you choose? Seems like a dumb question. Of course, the answer is obvious. I'll, I'll sacrifice today. I'll, I'll do without today in order to have, you know, that in, eternal in wealth tomorrow. And that's really this picture of what this life is compared to the life to come. And yet, how, how many people, uh, how many times do we, how many times do the people outside of us lose sight of, of really what is life all about? This is not all there is. C.S. Lewis kept reminding us that there, you've never met a mere mortal. All of us are immortal. All of us are going to live eternally. The question is just what's the context? Many, many people are choosing you know, a day's worth of riches or comfort and an eternity of poverty. Um, and God would have us be wise, be wiser. Uh, and so that's why Jesus is telling us in verse 20, Look, don't do that. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, there, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Um, Jesus gives us these words from Luke 12. Uh, you get the sense that Jesus um, was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. That's our passage this morning in Matthew 6, talking about where to store up our treasures. And then he would move on to the next town and teach them and the next town and teach them. It wasn't a brand new sermon every time. He would tend to say, it kind of has the same message because all truth is his truth. So in Luke 12, listen to what he says. Fear not, don't be afraid, little flock. This great little term of endearment. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags now, do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Um, so Jesus is telling us uh, that investing all of our resources in this world is going to end up leaving us eternally in poverty. Um, but if we invest properly uh, and you know, pursue, provide money bags that do not grow old and a treasure in heaven... Uh, then that's the path to eternal life. He, he does want us to invest in the life to come. Uh, he does want us to make deposits in an eternal retirement account. Uh, how, how does this work? Well, we remember from Job, Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I, I shall return, right? So literally we come into this world with nothing, and we leave with nothing from this world. Contrary to the pharaohs, you're just not going to take anything with you. We don't see that 
demonstrated. It's not clear in our heads, you know, that that's true. It's like a proverb, and we, we theorize about that, you know, naked I came, naked I depart. But let me, let me point out one place that we're all familiar with, actually, where it is, um, it's incontrovertible. And where one man lived that reality out consistently, right up to the end. And he absolutely knew what he was doing. He came into this world naked in, a, in, in the poverty of a stable, lived a perfect life swimming upstream against the current, the raging current of materialism in his day, and then went to a cross and died on a cross, not as the typical artist's depiction is where he's wearing a loincloth, but we're told in the Gospels that they stripped him naked and gambled for his, 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 uh, his underwear, basically, and exposed him uh, to the elements, shamefully naked uh, before all those who passed by under the curse of the cross. Naked he came into the world, and literally naked, literally without a single possession, a single earthly possession, left this world. Why did he do that? So some people would think, well, that was just for him to give us the ultimate example, the ultimate demonstration of what a life that's free from the love of money looks like. That's true. And certainly we need to, to, to take a lesson from that. But it's not just to give us an example. It's really something far greater than that because none of us can do that. We can know that that's an example, but none of us can, can properly, perfectly swim upstream against this love for money. And when he died on the cross, he was taking away our, our, the sin, the repercussion, the sentence for our love for money. That, 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 that original sin, that inherent nature that's in us, even from childhood, where we're just doing this and grabbing and being greedy rather than doing this and giving and being free. Uh, and that's what Jesus was reversing at the cross. So that all of us who believe in him, if you've looked to him, I need to have my sins taken away, my greed, my selfishness, my lack of generosity, I need to have all that taken away, and I need forgiveness for that. And that's what Jesus was accomplishing when he died in our place. So that when we trust in him, we get a new, well, he called it conversion. Um, we're converted. Our hearts are changed, and we begin to be able to have that spiritual ability to swim upstream, we, be able to, we start to be freed from the love of money. We start to be able to look properly at what does it mean to pursue these heavenly investments? What does it mean for us to, to know that our reward really truly is in heaven rather than on earth? Um, back one chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, if you've got your Bibles open, you can just look at verse 11, where Jesus says, blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Rewards, rewards are tricky. Um, what are the rewards? How should we understand these rewards? You know, we don't want to become mercenary. Uh, we want our, our motives to be genuine. Um, so let's just make a couple of things clear. Jesus unapologetically gives us the motivation of, of some kind of reward. There's some good consequence for our belief 
based behavior, when, when we're obeying the gospel and you know, doing what's consistent with our Christianity, Jesus says, you're going to be rewarded for that. Um, and there are uh, consequences for our behaviors in eternity. Uh, and you know, I don't think it takes a, a scholar, a biblical scholar or, or that, to recognize that God's judgment is just. And when you look at, at, uh, at heaven and hell, we, we know that those, uh, those destinies are not uniform in, in their existence. There's gradation. Uh, and, uh, and so while, for instance, when you think of, of sin, all, all sin uh, you know, is sin, but not all sin is equally sinful, maybe is one way to think about that. There really is a difference eternally between a little white lie and somebody who's doing something far more heinous. Um, and, and in the same vein in heaven, there really is a, uh, a reward for belief-based behavior. And those who are living more consistently out of that belief, out of the gospel of Christ's love for us, and I want to love others, I want to love God, and, and live consistently with that, Jesus promises reward. When you... Um, get a credit card application, uh, the way that they're enticing you to sign up for this credit card is how? A reward. Maybe you get 1% back. Maybe you got, you know, the double cash back card. Or maybe you've got some really cool card that gives you 5% back on gas or on groceries or something like that, up to $6,000. And then it drops down to 1%. You know, see the terms and conditions that apply. Um, Now think about Jesus giving us that parable of the, the seed that's sown. And it's on different soils, and when it falls on the fertile soil, what does it do? It, it produces a harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Everything we do, God notices. Everything we do is going to be rewarded in a sense. You know, um, it doesn't matter if you don't know exactly the nature of it. It's the fact that Jesus is saying this is a positive outcome for your, your decisions and your choices today. What if your reward was 100%? 100%. Everything you give, everything you do, everything you uh, offer to God uh, for the sake of the kingdom counts. And I know that the, the prosperity gospel people have abused this mercilessly like mercenaries. But just because somebody abuses a doctrine doesn't make, the, doesn't make that doctrine untrue. So I just want to make it very, very clear that Jesus doesn't stutter. And he says things like, look, when you give to the needy, you know, do it in a way that's humble and, uh, and not showy, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't think that's not true. Don't abuse that and don't think that, well, that, that means is that he's going to give me a bigger house here and two cars and, you know, great teeth. Um, that's not the reward that he's talking about. There's a heavenly reward. And, and, and the funny thing is, is the world is saying gain is good, spend, spend, spend. Jesus' gain is good too. Heavenly gain. Get all you can. You know, be, have, um, you know, what was the phrase, uh, greed is good. You know, there's a good kind of greed when it comes to the blessings that God offers us. Not because that we spend them on ourselves, but because when we're doing the, the things that God calls us to do as his disciples, we're blessing people. We're giving, we're being generous, etc. So, uh, again, uh, Paul's words to Timothy, 
He says, uh, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Gain is good. It's a good thing to want to have these blessings in eternity. Um, Later on in our passage here, if you've got Matthew 6 still open, look down at verse 24. Jesus is still talking about um, our treasures. And he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. God's got to be your goal. He's got to be the one who is your reward. He's got to be the one who rewards you. And anything short of that is going to leave us in poverty. Um, the principle that, uh, that probably most of us have heard, um, maybe you didn't realize it was from the Bible, but in 2 Corinthians 9, we're told that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Um, I don't know if you're aware that not only does that passage say that, okay, you know, don't sow sparingly. If you, if you are, you know, stingy or greedy or whatever, if you only give a little bit, you're only going to get a little bit. It also says that if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Do you know that at all times, every day, you are sowing something very, very bountifully? You can't not sow something. Whatever you sow is whatever you're spending your time and your energy and your attention and your your money, your money on. All of those things, all of your resources are being sowed all the time. The question is, where are you sowing them? Um, And we sow our resources in all kinds of, you know, good things, uh, family, your marriage, your job, your kids, your friendships, your grades. Those are fine. Nothing wrong with those things. But if you're Sowing and investing all of your resources in those things to try to suck life out of those things, you're going to be bankrupt. Just like the person who is sowing, you know, and, and pursuing uh, and, and put, uh, putting all their resources toward things that are even, even um, are not as noble. You know, people who are pursuing and can't stop thinking about the next thing they're going to buy on Amazon or the next uh, thing they're going to binge watch on Netflix or the next, you know, um, you know investing all their resources on the things that, uh, that are just distractions. Not to mention uh, investing time, energy, attention, money, on things that really are poisonous. Like if, you're, if you can't stop thinking about the next opportunity you're going to have to get a drink, you can't stop thinking about the next opportunity you're going to have to go online to that porn site, uh, if you can't stop investing your resources on whatever it is that you would be deathly ashamed for anybody else to know about. Jesus says you're never going to get life from those things. You can't serve God in money. You can't serve God in things. And you are always sowing generously, abundantly to something. What is it? Do you know what it is? Um, you can sow generously for, to good things, but, but miss the ultimate thing. 
But if you're sowing um, in God's kingdom, if everything you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you're sowing in the kingdom of God, you are going to, to have incredible rewards. You're going to have incredible inheritance. You're going to have incredible blessings. And that's where your heart's going to be. Because your heart is always somewhere. If, if, and if you wonder, well, where am I sowing? I don't, you know, where do I put all my passions? Well, the, another way to figure out the answer to that is just ask, well, where's my heart? What are you anxious about? What are you sad about? What are you angry about? What, what gets your heart, you know, going? Well, that's where your treasure is. Um, and that probably takes some, some digging and some reflection to think more thoroughly through that. But, you know, what is it that you're thinking about all the time? Your heart is going to be invested in whatever you are sowing. And if it's on earth, your heart is going to inevitably be kind of filled with all those, you know, negative fruits. But if it's in heaven, guess what? You don't just get eternal rewards. You don't just get investments in heaven you get blessings today, the blessings of love, joy, peace, patience, those positive fruits that come from a life that really is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray as uh, we deal with sort of spiritual economics uh, that you would Give us wisdom. Uh, give us the wisdom and that, that recognizes the proper place to invest. Um, something that has an 100% returns and that cannot be taken away. And Lord, I pray more and more that your kingdom would be the thing that we pursue. Uh, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. And that we would seek first your kingdom and let everything else be added unto us as you see fit. Uh, Lord, we do swim upstream against this raging current, and we do need your forgiveness for the places where we get, we get uh, stingy, where we get anxious and we get selfish. Um, and Lord, I pray more and more as we get uh, convinced by uh, your gospel, as we get uh, overwhelmed by your love, that our lives would reflect more and more your life, uh, where you gave constantly and even uh, gave of yourself. Lord, we pray for uh, each one here that you would grow us in grace, grow in us the fruit of the Spirit, um, help us with our unbelief. And we pray for specific families now, and we ask for your mercy for Bill and Rosalind Landis, for David and Hannah Leach and their son Josiah. We pray for Mike and Linda Lindsay. We pray for... Joel and Joy Moss, and for their children, Riley, Madeline, and Caleb. And we ask for your blessing on these families, that they would just enjoy a rich season of your grace and, and glory uh, as they pursue you and invest in your kingdom. Uh, Lord, we pray and pause uh, for Naomi Newdorf. Uh, just pray for healing, for her, uh, her dizziness spells, whatever exactly is going on. We pray for wisdom to for the doctors to diagnose the situation. We pray for uh, whatever uh, natural means you uh, sovereignly use for her help, and we pray supernaturally that you would give healing. Lord, we pray for healing not only for our bodies, but um, for relationships. We pray for healing 
uh, in our country. We pray for the election on Tuesday. Uh, we pray that, um, that you would have mercy uh, on our country. We pray that you would uh, remind us of your sovereignty over uh, those who you raise up and those who you um, dethrone. And Lord, we pray uh, that as brothers and sisters that uh, you would give us the, uh, a clear conscience as we vote and that we would vote according to what you make clear in your word, uh, what is consistent with your kingdom. And, um, and Lord, we pray uh, on Wednesday uh, that we would uh, wake up with the hope of your kingdom before us uh, and the joy of the gospel in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we pray for our Next Step of Faith campaign, that you continue to bless this church, uh, help us to see our possessions and treasures uh, in light of what is true and what is eternal. And we pray that you would help each one of us uh, as we pray uh, to know and discern our purpose, uh, our role and your purpose for, for Tabernacle, and uh, look forward to what answer you will give uh, for each of us as we try to discern a, a, a meaningful uh, uh, and a joyful sacrifice to make. Um, Lord, we pray for these tithes and offerings, that you get glory as we give cheerfully, uh, generously, um, or not as a, uh, an act of, um, of self-congratulation or even a response to what would be manipulative. Um, Lord, instead, may your gospel guide us, and may your kingdom be what we are making primary. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.